potevo potermi definire italiana, cristiana, donna, madre, no. Io devo essere cittadino X, genere X, genitore 1, genitore 2, devo essere un numero. Perché quando sarò solamente un numero, quando non avrò più un'identità, quando non avrò più radici, beh allora sarò lo schiavo perfetto in balia della grande speculazione finanziaria, il consumatore perfetto di ogni singola persona umana, perché ognuno di noi ha un codice genetico unico e irripetibile. E questo piaccia o no ha del sacro. Lo difenderemo, difenderemo Dio, la patria e la famiglia, che fanno tanto schifo a qualcuno. Lo faremo per difendere la nostra libertà, perché noi non saremo mai... Welcome to High Cheese with Darren Maloney. Today is Friday, September 30th, 2022, and that was Giorgia Maloney, the future prime minister of Italy. And as I mentioned, I think it was my last episode or two episodes ago, I mentioned the populists taking over the Italian government, and they had their election this past Sunday, and the populists are taking control. And likely, Giorgio Maloney will become the prime minister. You know, if you get a chance, you know, I know that was an Italian. If you get a chance, you have to just t- take a look at her speech and what she's saying here. And it says here, you know, some of the things she was saying, she goes, you know, everything that defines us is now the enemy of the state, our religion, our country, our families. Why is the family the enemy? They attack Christianity. They attack families. And we don't want to be a number, a cog in the wheel. We value the human being, which is sacred. And we will defend our religion, our family, and our country. And, you know, it's a powerful speech that she made. Let me read a couple other quotes from Merloni also. It says, I am a woman. I am a mother. I am Italian. I am a Christian. And you can't take that away from me. Here's another quote. Yes to the natural family. No to LGBT. Yes to sexual identity. No to gender identity. Yes to the culture of life. And no to the abyss of death. Now, Mar- Maloney, uh, my last name's Maloney. I- I'm Irish. She's Meloni, and she's Italian, although it sounds the same. So Maloney comes from a working-class neighborhood in Rome. And she had worked as a waitress, a nanny, and she worked her way up through politics. But here's the interesting thing I wanted to talk about. And I'm going to play another clip. And this is from Ursula von der Leyen, and she's the head of the European Union. And essentially, it was about a week before the Italian election. She comes out and she threatens Italy. So let me play the clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. We'll see if things uh, go in a difficult direction. I've spoken about Hungary and Poland. We have tools. If things go in the right direction, and people as a body that is always, uh, where always governments have to be accountable to play an important role. So von der Leyen was asked by a reporter, well, what do you think about the populists taking over Italy? And von der Leyen's response, well, we have tools. And what she's saying is that economically she can attack Italy and she can penalize Italy. Because Italy is a member of the European Union. And she mentioned Poland and Hungary. Poland and Hungary both have uh, a history 
of bucking the European Union. And apparently they have paid a, a price economically for trying to buck the European Union. And let me just take a step back. You know, the, each country in the European Union. Now, don't forget, the European Union is ground zero for the globalists. This is where the ideology, this religion of globalism stems from. So each member of the European Union also has their own parliament. And each member of the European Union votes for members of parliament, but they also vote for members of the European Union. And essentially, the European Union has so much power economically over these countries. So von der Leyen is threatening Italy, saying, oh, if, if the populists win, there could be economic problems because we're going to come down hard on Italy economically. So that's what they're dealing with. And when Maloney says they are afraid of us, the European Union is what she's talking about. Now, here in the United States, it's just funny. Oh, my God, they're just trying to link Maloney to Mussolini. After all these years, Mussolini. Every other word out of the mainstream media's mouth was uh, Maloney Mussolini. Maloney Mussolini. Apparently, there's a coalition of all these populist parties that coalesced around Maloney. And I guess one of these uh, parties, a very small uh, party, has some type of connection to Mussolini. But you know that the mainstream media is just going to overblow it, and they're trying to link Maloney to Mussolini. It's just absolutely bizarre. You know, it's funny. If the mainstream media really wanted to be honest about this or consistent on how they look at politicians and, and parties, they would take a look at the Democratic Party and say, you see that Joe Biden there? That Joe Biden comes from the party that protected slavery in the South, that promoted the Ku Klux Klan. Because as we all know, it was the Democratic Party that protected slavery down South. But you never hear that in the mainstream media because they like Joe Biden. Even though his party's connected to pro-slavery, they don't want you to know that. But they want you to think that Maloney is sometime, in some bizarre way connected to Mussolini. So again, it's a dishonest, fake media, and we shall see. And as I've often said, this populist movement is happening because God is touching these countries. I've mentioned in the past that the populists took over Sweden's government. The populists have taken over the Conservative Party in Canada. We've got our November 8th elections here where you have the MAGA movement. So God is touching these countries because God understands that this globalist movement is secular, anti-religious, and wants no part of God. And as Marloni said, they fear people that are willing to defend their religion, defend their family, and defend their country. You know, and with that said, I, I just want to, you know, and this touches close to home. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about my uncle, my uncle Tom. He had just uh, passed away, he passed away in his early 80s. And I'll get a little more into him personally. But my uncle Tom was the person, the type of person that the globalists fear. He was willing to protect his family, protect his religion, and protect his country. Now, Uncle Tom was 
a longshoreman. He opted not to go to college, and he made quite a bit of money as a longshoreman. And he went on to marry my pretty Aunt Rita, who was a perfumist, and had a wonderful life. They were able to raise my cousin, Laura, very good tennis player, but her career was cut short because of health issues. And they loved their family, and they loved their God, and they loved their country. But here's one of the reasons why they hate people like my uncle and my dad too. These are the people that opted not to go to college and they were able to make a wonderful life for themselves outside of college. Because you don't understand is that college today, and it probably started years ago, it became an indoctrination process. So they can't control the longshoremen of the world. They can't control the working class people in the world because they haven't been indoctrinated by college. And they've made a lot of money and they were able to raise families and they were able to pursue their religion. This whole globalism movement was to attack these type of people. They shipped their jobs overseas. So instead of people making a lot of money in a factory, so they shipped these jobs overseas to China, other countries, where they were paying slave wages at the expense of the working class here in America. And it was by design. The working class was becoming too powerful in this country. They couldn't, the globalists couldn't meet their objectives with the working class here in America. So they shipped their jobs overseas and they left them high and dry here in the United States. And what did Obama say? Oh, go learn programming. So they went from earning six-figure salaries to the unemployment line because their jobs were shipped to China. But that's what they wanted. And again, getting back to Obama, what did he say? He called these people clingers. Oh, yeah, they cling to their religion and their guns. Obama mocked the working class. He mocked them because he was afraid of you. Yeah, I just want to finish up on uh, my Uncle Tom. He, he always gave. And I've come across very, very few people that give and never ask for anything in return. And that was my Uncle Tom. The only thing he ever asked of people, he said, in hard times, reach out for God. And I'll always remember that about him. In hard times, reach out for God. Okay, I'm staying on the international theme uh, because there was so much that happened this week internationally that affects us here. And uh, the next thing I I wanted to talk about is the so-called sabotage of Nord Stream 1. And, uh, you know, it's just bizarre. It's a bizarre action. And uh, some people are saying that it's uh, Russia did it. And I just find it hard to believe that uh, Russia would sabotage their own pipeline. You know, it's just, it's a stretch if you believe that. Um, The second thing is, is that uh, apparently, you know, I was watching Tucker Carlson the other night. He made a good point is that, look, they just opened a pipeline uh, from Norway into Poland. And that's competition to Nord Stream. And did anybody with interest in the uh, Polish pipeline, the Norwegian pipeline, sabotage Nord Stream? That's far-fetched, too. What I think is most realistic is if it was sabotage, and again, I'm not totally convinced it was sabotage. Um, If it was, I firmly believe that this was done by non-German and non-Russian forces. Could have been England, could have been the CIA. 
And the reason they sabotaged Nord Stream One, and remember, Nord Stream Two is not even in, uh, is not even active; it wasn't completed. So those with an interest of of preventing Germany from capitulating to Russia could have done this. Now again, Germany relies a lot on Russian energy, and with Putin shutting off that supply, and with the winter coming. And once people die, if it's a bad winter, once people start dying, once inflation runs through the roof in Germany, once the political winds change among their population, they may capitulate uh, to Russia. Let me say, I'll open the pipelines. I'll try to put an end to this war. We'll push for uh, uh, Ukraine settling with Russia. Or we'll stop giving arms or any type of support to Ukraine. And that's what that, if it, again, if it is sabotage, that's what that sabotage will prevent. It will prevent Germany from capitulating to Russia during the winter. So that, I think, is the most realistic, if it is sabotage. Now, I, I still think there's a good possibility that it was just something that happened that just happened. Now, th- apparently there was these... Scandinavian seismologists are saying, oh, this was an explosion. We heard an explosion. I'm not totally convinced about that. You know, can we get a second opinion somewhere? So this could have just happened because with the pressure reduction in the pipeline, because Russia had cut the gas off, the supply off. I'm sure there was a reduction in pressure in the pipeline. It could have caused a a weakness. Now, I just want to go to a clip. And this is just showing us the opinion of what Biden thinks about this. So Let's go to the clip, and then we'll just come back and discuss. Uh, Earlier about the pipeline, and let me say this. It was a a deliberate act of sabotage, and now the Russians are pumping out disinformation and lies. We work with our allies to get to the bottom exactly what, precisely what happened. And as my direction, I've already begun to help our allies enhance the protection of this critical infrastructure. And at the appropriate moment when things calm down, we're going to be sending divers down to find out exactly what happened. We don't know that yet exactly. but it... Well, my instincts tell me to believe the opposite of what Biden says, but he doesn't know. He doesn't have a clue. But one thing I did read into this is that no one seems to have a sense of urgency about patching that thing up. I mean, Biden's talking about, oh, we'll send some people down and they'll figure out what it was when the time is right. Well... That does not seem like there's any sense of urgency here on Biden's part or the U.S. part to fix this thing or who's going to fix this thing or who's going to analyze this thing. So it's just more confusion that Biden's adding to the whole situation, which is par for the course. But one thing no one's talking about that I think can give us some insight into what happened here. And we have to look at the lawsuits. What are the lawyers doing? Because, you know, these pipelines, I'm sure we're insured, whether it's a construction bond or any type of bond. And I want to see if there's any lawsuits and what the lawsuits have to say. And that can tell us, possibly, if there was sabotage. Because who knows? Maybe the insurance company is trying to get out of it and they're looking for a hook to get out of it or pay less. Or on the other hand, maybe the owners of the pipeline want to get some kind of insurance payment. It all has to do with the language in the insurance policies for these two 
pipelines. So that's why it's really interesting to see if there's going to be any lawsuits that are pending involving the pipeline. I'm really curious to see what happens here. So we shall see. And speaking of Biden and how dangerous he is on the world stage, and the message that his incompetence and his mental capacity is sending to our enemies. And I'm sure a lot of you have seen the Jackie Walorski clip. And you know, this clip, it was a conference, a president's conference on nutrition. And Jackie Walorski was an Indiana congresswoman that uh, died in a car crash in August of this year. And Biden is out there and he's calling out people that were involved. He called up Jackie. He called up the dead congresswoman. Where is she? So let's go to the clip, and then we'll discuss. I want to thank all of you here, for, including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here to help make this a reality. You know, this is just embarrassing. And this kind of stuff has happened so many times that some people are just getting used to it. But we can't get used to this. This is the President of the United States. He's not a bright guy in the first place. And he's mentally incapacitated. And like I just said, our enemies are looking at this. And with that said, I want to go to a clip, and it's with Karine Jean-Pierre, the great press secretary. So let me go to this clip of her, and then we'll come back and discuss, because this is really a uh, comedy show for lack of a better word. I would have used a bad word, but mother's mother's listening. But that's what this is. It's a comedy show. So the president was, uh, as you all know, you guys were watching uh, today's event, a very important event on uh, food insecurity. The president was naming uh, the congressional champions on this issue and was acknowledging her incredible work. She was of top of mind. Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? She must not be here. No, I totally understand. I just I just explained she was on top of mind. Uh, um, you know, I, I she's just incompetent. And this is what happens when you hire check-the-box candidates. In her own words, I think her own words, her first day, was not that I'm competent, not that I have a lot of experience, but I'm the first uh, black gay press secretary. Nothing more, nothing about competence. And this is what you get. So the press isn't buying it. They just come out. He goes, what, are you, what is this top-of-mind stuff? What do you mean top of mind? She's just repeating it. Top of mind, top of mind. So even the mainstream press isn't buying it. And let me go back to another clip with another reporter about this topic. Well, because I'm trying to get my head around the response. If the late congresswoman was top of mind for the president and her family was expected to be here and that's what he was thinking about, what, why was he looking for her? I'm, I'm not trying to be snarky here. No, I mean, and I'm... I think people can understand. I think the American people out there who, you know, watch the briefing uh, from time to time, maybe at this moment, will understand when someone is at top of mind. Uh, and as he was naming folks, he, she was on top of mind, and he understands. Uh, again, I don't think it's all that unusual uh, to have someone top of mind. No, it's not unusual for somebody to have top of mind. But if they're dead... And you're looking out in the audience for them and asking where that person is, that's a problem. 
And they continued after this with uh, Jean-Pierre. And it got belligerent at the very end. I don't have the clip on this, but she was actually, there was one reporter just yelling at, you know, I want the answer on this thing. And Jean-Pierre admonishes this reporter, say, hey, you, you know, he's speaking over somebody else. She just wanted this whole top of mind thing to go away. But it didn't. And unfortunately, I think Jean-Pierre knows that people really don't listen to her. They don't believe what she's saying. So she's just saying anything and just sticking to it, whether it's just so outside of reality or not. So again, we shall see. All right, let's go back on the international level. And uh, as Putin said, he was going to uh, annex the four Ukrainian territories into Russia. And they had their ceremony this morning. And I'm going to play a clip, a short clip. It's in Russian, but just to give you a little flavor of what went on. It was a big signing ceremony where the uh, four heads of the um, territories signed a uh, annexation paper with uh, with Putin. So let's just play this, and then we'll come back and discuss. Again, it's in Russian, so let's just play it, and I'll come back and discuss. President Russian Federation, Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin, Donetsk National Republic, Denis Vladimirovich Pushilin, Lugansk National Republic, Леонид Иванович Пасечник. So essentially they were in a big hall with a big crowd and uh, Putin and the heads of the four territories were up on the stage and uh, the MC was naming the names of the people that were on the stage and Putin was signing some documentation and they were marching it down on the other side of the stage to the uh, uh, leaders of the four territories and they were signing it on the other end. So I just want to tell you, that's how they did it. Uh, it was a little flavor. It was a dog and pony show, but that's what they did. And what I'm going to do is go, go to another clip. And this clip is with uh, Zelensky. And this is Zelensky's response to the annexation of those territories. And what he did is he said, okay, I'm going to petition NATO to fast track our membership. And let's go to this clip and then we'll come back and discuss. This is an actual alliance. Today, Ukraine is making... So President Zelensky announcing that Ukraine is uh, formally applying to fast track its membership of the NATO military alliance. Uh, That's it for uh, the news this hour, but there'll be more updates at the top of the hour with. And this just is not going to happen. If it does, it's just insanity. Because if, if NATO allows Ukraine to join, it's just World War III. Because now we have to formally defend uh, Ukraine and we send all our troops into Ukraine and it turns into World War III and then it escalates into us shooting missiles at each other. So that's why it's not going to happen. Unless the globalists think we're expendable. And if the globalists are willing to create chaos, and again, I've always said is that nuclear war is the ultimate chaos. And if these globalists think that they're losing Throughout the world, whether it's in Italy, whether it's in Sweden, Canada, the United States, they'll create chaos. And what is the ultimate chaos? Nuclear war. But I just don't think that they're insane enough right now to do this. 
Okay, I just want to cover this one last story before we go to the loser of the week. And I'm sure many of you have seen reports of non-white dormitories on college campuses. And these dormitories, if you're white, you have to be invited in, and which is clear segregation. And again, I don't have a problem if, uh, you know, say African-Americans want to live on, in a dorm, but if they want to. And those dorms are not off limits to anyone, whether you're white, black, Chinese, or anybody. But these are specifically off limits to white people unless they are invited. And we're going backwards. We're not going forwards. We're going backwards. We're going back to the days of segregation. Segregation is segregation, whether it's self-imposed or not. And that's what these universities are doing. And these students that want to segregate themselves from white people. It's not the answer, my friend. But I, what I find even more disturbing is, and let me read this article. Uh, to, and this article is from the Jewish Journal. And let me just read a little bit of it, and then we'll discuss. It says, nine different law student groups at the University of California at Berkeley School of Law have begun the new academic year by amending their bylaws to ensure that they will never invite any speakers that support Israel or Zionism. And these are not groups that represent only a small percentage of the student population. They include Women of Berkeley Law, Asian Pacific American Law Students Association, Middle Eastern and North African Law Students Association, Law Students of African Descent, and the Queer Caucus. And what I find disturbing is the response that Berkeley Law's dean, Erwin Temerinsky, a Jew, has to this. So here's what the uh, Dean Chemerinsky says. He goes, well, you know, it's, an, it's no big deal because, you know, all these organizations that are uh, banning this speech, they're only a small number of the total number of students. So it really doesn't matter that much. And then also, you know, if they're Jewish, they can join these organizations, but they just can't talk about being Jewish. They can't support Israel, or they can't support Zionism. So you can join if you're a Jew, but you have to disavow your faith. And that's what this dean, dean's position is. And you wonder why our educational systems are all screwed up. And what additionally I find disturbing are these lawyers that are anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish, are going to lead these law firms in the future, be members of the government, and this is the toxic thought that they're going to bring with them? This is dangerous, and this has to be addressed at some point. Okay, let's go to our loser of the week. And our loser of the week for the week ending September 30th, 2022 is Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada. And... What our friend Justin did is he gave a shout out on Twitter to the protesters in Iran. So apparently there's a protest going on in Iran right now because the morality police in Iran, they uh, arrested a woman, I think, for not wearing the proper clothing or showing her hair. Um, 
and she, while she was detained, she died. And people aren't believing it. They think that she was killed. And they are having a protest. And that's legitimate. Let them protest in Iran. But I just find it ironic that Trudeau would come out for a protest in such a fashion and using these words. And in a tweet, he said, Canada strongly supports people who are expressing themselves and protesting peacefully in Iran. We are calling on the Iranian regime to end this repression of freedom of expression and to end the ongoing harassment of and discrimination against women. Now, this is the same Trudeau who called the War Powers Act against his citizens, a trucker protest. This is the same Trudeau that shut down citizen bank accounts because they were associated with the truckers. So he's the last person. Oh, by, while I forget, he's the same prime minister that had the RCMP trample some old ladies at a protest. I don't know. Would that be, is that one of the ultimate discriminations against women? As he said in his tweet, I think trampling a woman is kind of discriminatory. I think so. So for that reason, Trudeau gets my loser of the week. Okay, let's go to the markets. It was another bad week for the stock market. Uh, today, Friday, September 30th, 2022 at 9.37 p.m. Uh, the Dow finished down 1.71% to 28,725.51. The S&P finished down 1.51% to 3,585.62. And the NASDAQ finished down 1.51% to 10,575.62. Uh, for the week, the Dow was down 2.9%. The S&P was down 2.9%. And NASDAQ was down 2.7%. Uh, for the year, year to date, the Dow is down 20.95%. The S&P is down 24.77%. And NASDAQ is pulling up the rear as it is down 31.37%. Uh, uh, the bonds, 10-year, is trading at 3.829%, while the two-year is trading at 4.273, and that's yield. And this is an inverted yield curve, which indicates a recession. Oil futures uh, trading right now at $79.74. Uh, gold futures are trading at $1,668.30, while silver futures is trading at $19.1.5. Bitcoin is trading at $19,389.85. Ethereum is trading at $1,328.50. And XRP is trading at $0.47. Cents. Let's go to the economic calendar for next week. And here's what we have on Monday, October 3rd. We have uh, S&P U.S. Manufacturing, PMI. We have the ISM Manufacturing Index, Construction Spending, and Motor Vehicle Sales. Uh, on Tuesday, October 4th, we have job openings, we have factory orders, and we have core capital good orders. Um, then on Wednesday, we have the ADP Employment Report. Uh, we have the International Trade Balance, and we have the S&P Services, PMI, and the ISM Service Index. Um, and on Thursday, we have the typical initial jobless claims and continuing jobless claims. And then on Friday, we have payrolls, non-farm payrolls, the unemployment rate, average hourly workings, consumer credit, 
wholesale inventories and the labor force participation rate. With that said, thank you so much for listening. You have a good week, and I will talk to you next Saturday.